Welcome to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to today's podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, as always, and I'm going to welcome you to the podcast. Today's episode, we are going to talk calculations. I get a lot of questions, and I just got one this morning, so I figured it was a good opportunity to kind of do a podcast on a little simple calculation. It's not a lot of thinking involved, not a lot of scratch paper involved, but uh, it is probably one of those calculation questions that are very basic that you might get on an exam, uh, but I figured we'd talk about it. Now, I also have a video and a podcast uh, on calculating services, both the standard and the optional method that you can go listen to as well. Uh, And I will probably be translating this one that I'm going to do today into a video because there are certain people that even though this is a very basic calculation, um, some people are very visual and they want to see the steps and where we go in the code book and uh, when we have our ultimate guide to the National Electrical Code uh, course, uh, we go over all these things in detail. And there's a nice little table that you use that really, once you use this table, you will never have to worry about sizing a service again because you can literally print this little little chart off and sit it down and fill in the blanks no matter what service it is and forever be able to do a service calculation. Same thing with the multifamily, multi-unit. It's, it's really that simple. And we, we kind of teach that in the Ultimate Guide course, uh, because in that course, we're really digging into the roots. There's a lot of reading involved. The students have to read a lot of material. Uh, it's not as simple as them listening to me every week and just go over everything. No, they are are really having to read the material because I believe that's important in how you learn. You have to read it, comprehend it, uh, identify anything that you might have a weakness on or you don't really understand. And in our software, you're able to highlight it and mark it for later. And then when we have our weekly class, our two-hour session, you can bring that question to the table and we can answer it for you. Uh, or you can email within the system. There's a special integrated thing called Connect Yard that allows you to stay in contact with me. So it's a real neat system uh, to bring questions and things like that. So uh, for all of you out there that are looking for a program that's going to give you a comprehensive understanding of the National Electrical Code, not just for an exam, which obviously it will help, but also to take your career to the next level, then you might want to look at the ultimate guide to the National Electrical Code, and that's available on our website at masterthenec.com. Okay, so today's question was a calculation question for a one-family dwelling. Now, many times on an exam, you're not going to be given a bunch of stuff because, again, time is of the essence on an exam. And really, we're trying to, when we create an exam, we're trying to make sure that you understand the components of the exam, like how to do the the largest versus the AC to heat or that you understand if you have uh, an issue with the appliances and I'm dealing with fewer than four or whether I'm dealing with four or more. Uh, type of appliances, if I'm going to be able to to apply some type of demand factor to that. Um, You have all these values that we're going to want to train you on so that when you get in an exam, you can determine which you're dealing with. Now, on this question that was presented here, it's a very basic question. Um, Not a lot of of, uh, uh, tricky stuff to it. So 
that's the reason I chose this one. It literally did come to me today. So I wanted to be able to share it with you and walk you through it. So the question stated like this, and it's in a lot of times on an exam, it'll be a question is it's called a given. It means they're going to give you this scenario. Okay, so that's it's called a given. Um, so it says given a one family dwelling as follows. So we have identified that it's a one family dwelling. It says 1,050 square feet of living space. Um, service is a 122 40 volt single phase service. Um, now here's where the question gets kind of uh, not is uh, it's not a well thought out question uh, for an exam obviously, but it goes cooling is one one third horsepower 120 volt cooling motor, air conditioning only, and then the heat is one one sixth uh, one sixth horsepower 120 volt furnace blower motor, heat only. Now, the problem with this is nowhere in this question does it say if there's any heat strips or what we're dealing with. It doesn't say anything, okay? So, uh, the question could go either way into your assumption because we're not going to assume anything here uh, in this application. So, um, I, if I was taking an exam, I would take these, obviously, when we get to the heat versus the, you know, the, uh, the um, AC at 100% because it's just... Very poor information, okay? So when people write exam questions like that, it's important is don't ask somebody to answer a question if you don't have the ability to write it properly uh, because it's just not fair to them. Okay, um, so it says the cooling, again, is one-third horsepower, 120-volt cooling motor. So it's important we know that's 120 volt. Uh, and it's important that we know the horsepower because obviously at this point, since it's 120 volts, we're going to go to table 430.248 because that's your single phase. And we're going to look at the horsepower motor and that's where we're going to get our amp value, okay, their FLC. And that's our amp value. And of course, Ohm's law is going to come into play. So we're simply going to take that amp value and multiply it by the voltage, which is 120. And that's going to give us our VA. Okay. Now remember, when we're doing calculations like this, VA and watts are interchangeable. Okay, it's not going to affect you either way. Okay, so just remember that. Now, later on in your electrical career, you're going to understand watts being what they are and VA being volted, volt amps. Uh, but again, when you're doing a calculation, they're, they're, the code tells us that it's synonymous. Uh, and incidentally, I should say we're using the 2017 National Electrical Code. Uh, and I do that until I tell you otherwise. That is what we're on. That is the most prominent adopted edition around the country. Obviously, we're working on the 2020 right now. When we change to the 2020, obviously a lot of my stuff will change to the 2020. Okay, so we have the cooling, which again is a third horsepower, 120 volt cooling motor. And the heat is one sixth horsepower, 120 volt furnace blower motor. And literally that's all it gives with the heat and cooling. So it's kind of a weak question, but we can answer it. We'll still try to answer it. The thing I have with a lot of people, and I ran into this with my box fill and my pulling calculations for 31428 is everybody wanted to see conductors everybody look you have to learn to calculate something out based on what you're given and that's the best you can do okay uh, people freaked out i mean literally had their head blow off because i asked you to do a straight pull or angle pull based on what you saw in raceways and no conductors there and literally people freaked out what that told me as an educator uh, and I'd like to think I'm one of the prominent educators. Ken, you can say what you want about that. But the reality is I'm teaching you how to solve problems. Okay, And I can look at a box 
and decide for the worst case scenario based on the raceways that are going to that box. Well, you're being asked to do the same thing here because it's not giving you anything but those values for heat and cooling. Okay, You have to solve it. Okay? You can't just cry and say, I don't have enough information. I can't solve it. Or this is not solvable. You know what? At the end of the day, stop being a wuss and solve the question. Okay, I'm paying you good money. You're an electrician. You're a master or you're whatever you are, owner. Solve the thing. Stop crying about it. So let's solve this thing. So the next thing it gives us is what? A laundry. So it tells us that we're going to have at least a laundry. So that's one clothes washer. Okay. Only thing that tells me in this question is we know, obviously in 210.11, we're going we're gonna to have a laundry circuit. And that's got a given value. Okay? I'm just reading the question first. And obviously, since it's a one family dwelling, we at the assumption here is we have to know, since it's talking about some appliances, we'll look here in a second, that we're going to have at least two small appliance brand circuits. Okay, That's the kind of one of those, those givens that you have to, to understand when you're doing calculations. Uh, the next thing it says, uh, it has one 5KW clothes dryer, okay, and we know that that's going to be at 5,000 KW, that's what it gives us here, and incidentally, I will remind you that KW and VA is all interchangeable again, I'll just remind you of that, it's synonymous, doesn't matter, uh, as far as this calculation works the same. Um, and then, of course, it says here, let's go on. It has a kitchen. It has one 9.5 kW range. Well, it's not over 12. We always use column C in 220.55 in the table um, unless we have some direction otherwise by the notes that are below the table. In this case, it's not over 12, but it is over 8 and 3 quarter. So we know that it's going to firmly, and we look at the top of that uh, table, it reminds us that we're firmly going to be planted in column C. We only get the options to do that when we're dealing with the other notes down there that are applicable. So in this case, a 9.5 kW is going to be 8 kW. That's what the demand, the demand's going to be. Um, next you have, it says, one 1.9 kW 120 volt dishwasher. And it gives us a one-third horsepower motor. Uh, but... If you do the math on the one-third horsepower motor versus, and, and you take that value from uh, 430.248, and you multiply that with the 120 volts, it doesn't necessarily come out to the 1.9 kVA that they presented in the question. So we're using the 1.9 kVA that's in the question because that's a given. They gave us that. Now, we'll have to go with that because they don't express otherwise. Okay. Uh, the next one we're going to go with is... A, it has one 9-amp, 120-volt disposal, okay? So we're going to go, we'll go with, with that application. Now, we have to do the calculation on this. Now, what gets funny is that in this calculation, we're going to have to do a, an application where we're going to do um, uh, a scenario where we're going to do the... Um, 25% of the largest motor. And the reason they give this half horsepower motor out beside dishwasher is the assumption that they think we're going to use the uh, dishwasher for that value. And we're, we're not going to use the dishwasher for that value. We already have that figured in the 1.9. We're going to do the largest motor in here is going to ultimately be the disposal. Okay. Because we know we'll find, you'll find out that, 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 that the disposal value, uh, based on 9 amperes, is greater than what the third horsepower value would be. So, again, in our case, we're using the, and I don't know why they might have added that in the question, because that was where they were driving you, but in our case, the disposal motor is the largest uh, in our scenario. Anyway, let's kind of move through this. So let's do the math here, and we'll work this thing out so you can kind of understand it.
All right, so you're given three options. So in case you guys want to work this out, I will go on again if you want to get a piece of paper and I'll read you these values. I'll read you the entire question so that you can work this out yourself. Uh, you're only going to learn by actually putting pencil to paper. So what are the givens? We have a one-family dwelling. It's 1,050 square feet of living space. We're going to assume that's outside to outside because that's all they gave us. Again, poorly worded question. Um, it's a 122 40-volt single-phase service. Um, cooling, uh, there's a cooling, it says one, it says one, one-third horsepower, 120-volt cooling motor, so that's your AC. The heating is, is, is one, one-sixth horsepower, 120-volt furnace blower motor, and that's all they give for the heat and cooling, okay? Next, it tells you laundry, it's got one clothes dryer, I mean, excuse me, one clothes washer. It says one 5KW 240-volt clothes dryer. Kitchen, it has one 9.5 kW range. It has one 1.9 kVA 120 volt dishwasher with a third horsepower motor. Again, that's incorporated into the dishwasher. Uh, the next is one 9 amp 120 volt disposal. Uh, and it says, do not use the optional method. Each ungrounded conductor in this service for a single family dwelling has a minimum net computed load of, and you get three choices here. A, it says 89 amps. B is 91 amps, C is 95 amps, and D is 100 amperes. So we're going to work this out. Okay, first step what we're going to do is we're going to know that in the National Electrical Code, we're going to have to go to 220. Hopefully you all know that by now. If you're not, you're, in a, you're studying to understand that. We're going to firmly be planted in 220.12 because the first thing we have to do is we have to calculate dimensions of the building. And of course, in this question, it gives us 1,050, and that's what it gives us. So that's what we have to work with. Now, ultimately, that'll send you down to table 220.12, and you'll notice under dwelling units, it says to the right, and we're going to use VA per square foot. It's 3 VA per square foot. So to start this out, we're going to do 1,050 times 3 VA equals 3,150 VA. Okay. Now, that is the first step. Now, the next thing we know is we're dealing with, as we go down to this, we have to understand that the next specific thing we want to deal with is the small appliance branch circuits, okay? Now, that's where you're going to be at 220.52a, and that's small appliance circuit loads. It says in 220.52a, in each dwelling unit, the load shall be calculated at 1,500 VA for each two-hour small appliance branch circuit as covered in 21011c1. Well, if you look at 210.11c1, you're going to have a minimum of two. Could you have more? Absolutely. Do you at least have to have two? Most certainly. So in this case, it would be 1,500 times two, uh, and so that would be 3,000. So in our case, we're going to add 3,000 to the 3,150 VA. Okay. And then the next one we're going to look at is laundry circuit. Now, we know we have a laundry circuit because the question made, made reference to the fact that there was a clothes washer. Now, the clothes washer is going to be on the laundry circuit. So, we have to apply that. Now, if you look here in 220.52b, it says the load shall not be less than 1,500 VA for the, and shall include for each two-wire laundry branch circuit installed as covered in 210.11c2. Well, it only requires one in 210.11c2. But we know that uh, if you had more laundry circuits in your uh, structure of your dwelling unit, then you would account for each one. Now remember, we can have one laundry circuit with multiple receptacles that are serving that laundry circuit. 
Okay, so we're talking about the circuit, and that is the for the calculation purposes, and that's 1500 VA. So in our math, we took 3150, which is our VA, we took the 3000 VA, which is the two small appliance, and we took a 1500 VA for the laundry. Add those together, that gives us 7650 VA. Okay, so now that in itself, right there, is our lighting and receptacle loads. Okay, those are our loads. Now we're going to have to put some demands on this, so we have to apply some demand factors. So that's going to take us to table 220.42 for that application. Now, a lot of people at this point kind of get confused here and there, and they say, Well, how do I get from here to there, or whatever? Uh, it, it really is a process of, of learning how you maneuver through the NEC and how you go from here to there. And, and that's what we teach in our ultimate guide so that this becomes no longer uh, something that confuses you because we will talk about how you go from one location to another and how you, and of course I talked to you about how you can number these out so that in an exam, provided you can mark in your code book, that you're actually um, able to know systematically, I guess, seemingly how you move from one to another. It's just simple. Uh, and so we go over that. But anyway, you're going to have to go to table 220.42, lighting load demand factor, and understand that this also includes the receptacles that are for the general purpose. Now, I get that a lot from people. They go, whoa, 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 Paul. What about the receptacles? I know that all that says is lighting and everything, right? Well, if you look in your code book, and you look at 220.14. Oh, well, first of all, I should say, look at table 220.12. And you see where it says dwelling units? You got that little A there, that little really teeny-weeny A? Well, at the bottom of that table, this is where you're going to get your VA. At the bottom of that table, you'll see that it's going to make a reference to 220.14J. Well, in 220.14J, it clearly says that in one family, two family, and multifamily dwellings, and in guest rooms and guest suites of hotels and motels, the outlets specified in J1, J2, and J3 are included in the general lighting load calculation for 220.12. It says no additional load calculation shall be required for these such outlets. Okay? So, in reality, it's already working those in. That's your general use applications, all right? So, you don't have to do anything extra when it comes to that. Okay? Your garage receptacles. You don't have to add anything extra when it comes to that, when it comes to your general loads. Okay? All right. So... Just want to make sure you're aware. There are lighting outlets. All of that is covered in this calculation you're doing at 3VA per square foot when we're dealing with dwelling units, okay? So don't overthink that, all right? All right, so let's get back to where we were. So if you look at table 220.42, you'll see it says lighting load demand factors. And for dwelling units, you'll say that it's the first 3,000 is at 100%. That means you're taking of that value we just calculated, 7,650, that first 3,000 I'm taking as, as a given. So the easiest way I find people to not screw this up is to take the full value, the 7,650 minus 3,000 and kind of put that 3,000 aside so that you can add it back later. Whatever the remainder is at that point, in our case it would be 4,650, Multiply that by 35%, and that's going to be 1,627.5, which we're going to round the 0.5. We're going to go on up to uh, 1,628 VA, okay? Okay, so then I take that value, and now I'm going to add that 3,000 VA back to it, and that's going to bring me to a total of 4,628 VA. Now, that is your lighting and receptacle demand load, okay? So we've done the first part of our calculation. We write that down, put that aside, Okay. 
Now, the next thing we want to tackle in our equation was that range. Okay, so now that range was a 9.4 kW, or you could have put 9,400 W, um, or it could be 9.4 VA, uh, or it could be 9,400 VA. It doesn't matter for our calculation, okay? We're typically going to convert everything to VA, so when we write it down, we might be given it in watts or whatnot, but we're going to, we're going to put it in, express it in VA, okay? All right, so in our case here, it was 9.4, and if you happen to go to, and we'll do it, I'll do it with you, table 220.55, you'll notice that, let's read the top. The very top. So the top of this table says demand factors and loads for household electric ranges. Okay? It's a uh, wall-mounted ovens, counter-mounted cooking units, and other household cooking appliances over one and three-quarter KW rating. Okay? So what's in the parentheses? It says column C is to be used in all cases except permitted in note three. Well, note three is when they fall between one and three quarter and eight three quarter, and you have what's called an in lieu of method, okay? In other words, it's permissible to use another method, which means I can use column A and column B, and then once I come up with the values for these separate appliances, these cooking appliances, then I can bring them together and add them up and then use that value, okay? All right, so uh, that's the, the thing that you want to to think about is you do have options here. But in our case, we were only given one, and that was a 9.4. Well, if you'll notice in column C, it's not over 12 kW, so we're firmly in column C, and you'll notice it's only one appliance, and since it's one appliance, the demand factor allows us to take it at an 8 kW. So we don't use 9.4 in this standard method because we were instructed not to use the optional method here. This is a standard method. So we're going to use 8 kW. So 8 kW gets put into this equation. So we simply add 8kW to our previous value, which was 4,628. So now we have 12,628 watts or VA, however your, ple your pleasure. Okay, the next thing we're going to go in is tackle that clothes dryer. So now that we're tackling that clothes dryer, we know that it said in our question that it was 5,000 watts. Okay? What I want to remind you that the code actually says in 220.54, it says the load for a household electric clothes dryer in a dwelling unit shall be either 5,000 watts or the nameplate rating, whichever is larger, for each dryer served. In our case, the demand given to us was 5,000, so that's what we're going to use. Okay. If they don't express it and they simply tell you that it has a clothes dryer and they don't give you a VA or watts, uh, then it's actually going to be a minimum of 5,000, okay? Now, when you're doing the optional method, remember that you're going to take the nameplate fully. And we'll, there is a podcast as well as a video, I believe, that I have up on our website at masterthenec.com. Click on the YouTube link, probably where you're listening to this, and then you can go over and you can actually watch that video because in that video, I'll also show you some tricky things about what happens if you have a three-phase four-wire and you're deriving a single-phase dryer or range from a four-wire three-phase because there's a little unique calculation that you have to do and and that is probably going to be on an exam. So make sure you check that out. Okay? I know that it's going to be on a Texas exam, just so you know. Okay, so we're using the 5. So in our case, we added the 5. So we went from our 12,628, and we're just going to add the 5 to it. So that's now 17,628. Okay. Now we're going to get down to our, our, our specific appliances. 
Okay, so the first thing we ran into was that dishwasher. Now, in that equation, they said the dishwasher, it, it might have given us 13 horsepower motor in the parentheses. However, the dishwasher clearly states that it's 1, 1.9 kVA. So it's 1,900 VA. So we're going to take that value and we're going to add that. And it also had a disposal. Now, that disposal was 9 amperes, 120 volts. Well, they're not trying to be tricky with the question. They're just making sure you know how to convert it. So we're using Ohm's law. In this case, it's, it's 9 amperes, 9 times 120 volts. Okay, so we're dealing with amps times voltage equals the wattage. And again, remember, wattage is simultaneous here as VA in, in, in what calculations that we're doing. So ultimately, that pulls us at a value of 1,080 VA. So I want to add those two values to our total. And so that's going to be, we have a from 17,628 to now we're going to have, we're going to add 1,080 and we're going to add 1,900. And that's going to give us 20,608. Okay, we're almost done, but we still got to focus on this heating and cooling. So the first thing I got to do is they told us these values in horsepowers. And they did tell us is 120. So we have to go to 430.248 in the table. And the first thing we have to look at is each one of these, the AC versus the heat. Well, the first one, the AC one, they said it was, uh, I believe, is was a third horsepower. Okay. So in your code book, if you want to go to it, you just go to 430 uh, and go to the table 430.248, and you'll go to the horsepowers. Okay, so for the third horsepower one for the cooling, it's 7.2 amperes. Well, that's pretty simple. We just did it. 7.2 amperes times 120. That's 864 VA. Okay, write that down because that's your cooling. Now let's look at the heating since we're already here. So the heating was 1.6 horsepower. Okay, again, I think these values are dubious because they really have nothing to do with heat and cooling loads. But again, it's a question. If it's an exam question, then this is what they're giving you. Don't assume otherwise. Just go with what they give you. Okay? So in this case, 1.6 horsepower at uh, 115 volts. And again, you notice how they give you 120 in the equation. All right? Uh, and they give you in the exam, but up here they give you 50, it's 115 volts. Okay? Use what they give you in the actual question and not what's on the table here, okay? Because if you read above that, it says the voltage listers are rated motor voltages. The currents listed shall be permitted for system voltages ranges 110 through 120 and 220 through 240 volts. Um, I would say use what's given to you on your exam, okay? Use the values. Uh, it shouldn't make a big difference as far as the overall, uh, but we'll look at that at the end to see whether it, it would have changed the plausible answer to any of these questions. So. I wrote that down, and you should have written it down too. That's 864 for the uh, the AC. And then for the cooling, it was, I mean, excuse me, for the heat, it was 4.4 amps at 120. So we're going to do this. So it's 4.4. That's the value we get at table 430.248 for 1.6 horsepower. I'm going to multiply that by 120, and that is going to be 528. And that's the heat. Now, just for for kicks in our overall total, I want to do the same equation with the 115. So it's 4.4 4 .4 times 115, and it is 506. And then for the heat, it was, I mean, for the cooling, it was 7.2 times 115, and that is 828. Not a big difference, 
But let's see how that works in the end, just to see, because again, it's all about the fact that you've got four answers on an exam, okay? And you never know exactly what they want you to multiply it by. But I can tell you, if they give you the value in the code question, uh, I would use the value in the code question. Uh, that's why this is a poorly written question, because if I gave you a horsepower motor, I'd give it as a 115. That's the motor rating, okay? All right, anyway, so we'll do the whole thing and let you see. So at this point, let's kind of work through this and see where we're at. All right, so we've added that. We were at uh, 20,608 watts. Uh, once we added the dishwasher and the disposal, now we're dealing with the heat versus the cooling. Now, which is the larger? Well, AC versus heat, the AC is obviously larger at 864 or even at 828 if we used it at 115. It doesn't matter. It's the, it's, the values here are going to be that the AC is the larger one. Okay, So we're going to add that value. Now, we have two courses of action here. Uh, the first one would be to add take our value, which is, and I'm going to do it with you, which is 220,608 plus the 864, because that was the AC and it was the largest. So let's do that. 20,608 plus the 864, and that is 21,472. Now, just to find out what this question is asking, because I like to do that when I'm doing questions, we're going to add the other value to it just to see if it makes a difference. 20,608. Plus, and now we're doing it at the 115, we're going to add it plus 828. And that is 21,436. So I don't think you're going to see a big difference here. Okay, so now we've got our values. Now, I, obviously I omit the, the heating because the AC is larger, at least in this equation. So when I add that value down, I have 21,472 if we use the 120 volts. Okay? Last thing, we have to take the largest motor in our equation and multiply that by 25%. Now, a lot of people ask me, where do we get that in the code? Because they're like, a lot of times they'll do those calculations and totally forget that part. All right, well, the one part that actually brings that out in the code is 220.50, and it says motor shall be calculated in accordance with 430.24, 430.25, 430.26. And of course, all of those are at 125%. So we're, we need to take a motor, the largest motor, and we need to, to add on there additional 25%. So in our case, the largest motor, we looked at the AC, we looked at the heat, we looked at everything. Our largest motor at this point is the disposal. Okay, We wouldn't use the motor for the dishwasher because we are accounting for the dishwasher and again generally you wouldn't do it that way the standalone motor a disposal is literally is a motor uh, that just grinds up stuff so in this case larger now typically the AC probably or the or the uh, the compressor motor or something typically would be the largest so keep that in mind but in this value they didn't really give us any compressor information for the AC they just gave us the value of their blowers so we're going to use the disposal so I take the disposal, which was 1,080, and I multiply that by 25% equals 270 watts, or VA, again, however you want to do it. So we're going to add that value to our math, and that is 21,472 plus the 270 is going to give us 21,742. Okay, so now that's 21,742. Now we've done all of them. We've accounted for everything in our equation. Now we're going to simply divide that by 240 volts because this system is a 12240. And when we do that, it comes to 90.59. We're going to round that because of 0.5. We're going to round that to 91 amperes. So in my question, I had an A, which was 89. I had a B that was 91. I had a C that was 95. And I had a D 
that was 100. Okay, so in my equation here, it perfectly pushed me directly at 91 amperes. Okay, all right. So the next thing would say, well, what if we use those values that were simply uh, using the motors at, at, at 115, if that's what we were doing? Okay, well, even if you did that value, let's kind of see where we would be here. So I'm going to take the 20,000, bear with me here. I'm going to take the 20,608 that we got before we added the AC. And I'm going to do that plus, and it was 828. Okay, so 21,436. Then I'm going to add the, the, uh, the 270 for that equation into it. And that, is, and that is going to be, bear with me here because I'm, I'm having calculator issues. So let's see, 2608 plus the 828 goes that plus, I'm going to add the 270. And that was 21706. Okay, so 21706, then I'm going to divide that by 240. And it's 90.90.4. Okay, 90.4. So if you look at our question, the answer, the question was 89 amperes, 91 amperes, 95 amperes, and 100 amperes. Okay. So in our equation, it still would be B at 91 amperes. So a poorly written question, uh, but I believe that the question's giving to you at 120 volts in order for you to use that as far as your equation. But we know that typically with these motors, uh, we're going to use, if it's a 120, we're going to use 115. That's what the table is going to give us the amps for. Uh, either way, this would have put you at 91 amperes, because even at 90.4, even if you drop the 0.4, it's still 90 amperes, and it is more than 89 amperes. So I believe that in this question, they literally use the 120. But my note to all test writers out there, all those that are creating exams, put in the question what the electrician needs to answer the question. This is not a trick. This is not here to trick these guys. These are the guys that we're sending, and gals, I should say that, that we're sending out into the trade. Do our industry a justice. Write good questions. Stop writing the crappy questions. All right? You know that if you're going to give a horsepower rating and you're going to give the 120, that it really should be 115 for the motors. Okay? You know this. All right? Don't start out there on the wrong foot because the, the person taking the exam doesn't know whether he's going to use one or the other in his calculation. Okay? So, uh, that's kind of the message there. So, hopefully that answers the question uh, and gives you a, a kind of an insight into how to work those questions. Uh other than that, the takeaway that I would have from this lesson was not every question you get on an exam prep, whether it's in a book or online or whoever from, are, are always going to be accurate. Don't assume that the source that's writing these is, is writing it accurate, okay? Yes, we have a lot of authors out there, I being one. Uh, we make mistakes. Things happen. We're not perfect, okay? So really slow down. And make sure you read the question well, because you really never know whether or not they've given you all the information you need to be able to solve the question. But you have to try to solve it. In this case, we did come up with an answer. Um, the poorness of the question is, for example, when you know you give 120 volt values in your question, and a lot of times on exams you want to um, follow the question, answer it based on what they have. 
Uh, for example, again, in our case where we talked about motors, they used 120 volts, and it would have been better if they had used 115 volts. But I can tell you, if it takes you a second on an exam, uh, anywhere that they got 120 volts uh, or whatever it is for a, uh, or 240 when they mean 230 for a motor, uh, doesn't, while you're already calculating it out, it doesn't hurt to real quickly do it the other way and see which it, which it is. Um, at the end of the day, you're going to find one that's going to be closer to the answer. Um, and that's the one you're going to, you're going to choose. Uh, worst case scenario is you can always contest a question on an exam. If it's poorly written, they did it wrong, uh, contest the question. Uh, but generally, I tell people to answer the question as it's written because it seems to me the person that wrote the question didn't understand it either. And they're certainly not trying, in my opinion, to trick you that you should be using 115 instead of 120. Okay, that's not fair. All right. Uh, and in this question, there was such poor information provided that I figured there's no way they would even know that anyway or in that case. So uh, use the values that are given. Um, but it certainly wouldn't hurt you to calculate uh, this case to deal with the motors, do them both at 120 and when you're doing the Ohm's Law, do it at 120 and 115 and see what you come up with. All right. Um, but that's kind of how you work through it. Either way, in this one, it didn't matter whether we used 115 or 120. It's still going to come out at the same uh, aspect of it. Although the answer wasn't exact when we did it at the 115. It was exact at the 120, which, which was the uh, 90.5, and you round it 0.5, you round up to 91. Okay, um, so in our case, that's what we would have. Obviously, 89 amps is not the minimum. Uh, so uh, 90.1, or yes, 90.5 was, and then of course we're rounding up to 91 because any of the other answers aren't plausible. 100 amps wasn't plausible. 95 wasn't plausible. 89 wasn't plausible. Uh, so. 91 was the answer. Uh, in the real world, just to throw it out there, if you use 95 and 100 in the real world, are you going to be wrong? Absolutely not. Okay, you can always be larger. You just can't be smaller. So in this case, um, you know, in real world, 95 or 100 would work. And if you size the conductors to that, it would be okay. Uh, but that's not the most plausible answer on an exam, and that's what you're going for, the most plausible answer on an exam. So my advice is use what they give you in the question. Don't assume otherwise. It's not fair to assume otherwise. And test writers out there, people writing test questions, stop and write the question so that it can be answered. This is not a trick. Stop trying to trick people. It's no need for that. Give them everything they need in the question. All right. It doesn't need to be pounding our chests and think we're smarter than the next guy. That's not what it's all about. Never been that way. Okay. Write a question that can be answered and just see that people answer it. It doesn't really matter how difficult or how simplistic the question is. Write it so that it has a plausible, accurate answer. And then we're going to get better electricians in the field. We're going to get more journeymen that learn so they can carry this trade on. We'll get many apprentices who will actually learn the stuff they need to learn and stop thinking it's some kind of magic potion that once you get to a certain level, you know it all because you're never going to know it all. All right. So anyway, that's the mission for today, guys. Hopefully you got something out of that. Look for a video of this to come fairly soon uh, on this. Not today because I woke up on the wrong side of the bed and I don't look good. So not going to be today. I know you love it when I'm on the videos because I look pretty. I know that's not true, but whatever. All right, guys. Till next time, stay safe and God bless. Every day the 
closer Every day the future's looking bright Every day is another beginning